Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Pure Hoops podcast most definitely does reflect the views of our management. Here's three-time NBA champ BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman. Pure Hoops podcast. We are somehow, someway in August. The summer is flying by. Eric Newman in a very hot, steamy Heat wave in New York, BJ Armstrong, calm, cool, and collective as always in LA. My man, how are you? And um, what is new on the BJ Armstrong radar this week? Well, we finally got past uh, summer league, and things are kind of winding down a little bit as far as free agent signings. And uh, before we know it, Eric, the NBA season will be upon us. But Supposedly, you know, it's, NFL. it's NFL football right now, so I'm, I, well, I, you know, I'm beginning to, you know, just. Kind of get ready, and that means fall is 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 right behind us. Are you are you are you anticipating some Lions fireworks this season? You know, I'm a big Lions fan. Every year, Eric, uh, we're going to the Super Bowl. Every year, we say that, so we have the same optimism in the air as all the other teams. So we'll see how it plays out by week eight or nine. We should we should know, you know, what our fate is going to be but uh we are true true fans in every sense of the word a cleveland browns detroit lions super bowl would really uh shake the core of uh america <laughs> so yes, we, we, we will see you know it's 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 august and, and it's it's crazy it's like this used to be okay it's august let's take a deep breath but you know two years ago kyrie irving is traded uh, from the Cavs to the Celtics in the middle of August, and it set the NBA world on fire. And um, it's safe to say now that you can't hit the snooze button. There is no lull. Obviously, most of the big-name free agents have found a home, but you never know when that big trade is going to pop up. Um, you know, a, a bunch of things to, to get into today um, regarding some some present-day stuff. But before we get there, and we continue to see talks, conversations, debates, social media postings on all these new star pairings that we are going to get to absorb, watch, enjoy, and experience for this upcoming season. And obviously, there's no shortage of them, whether they're pairings, whether they're, you know, quote-unquote versions of uh, trios, you know, the traditional big three model is always... Uh, being thrown around there, but but it, it's it's pairings right now, and I want to enter into this conversation with going back to where this started, which of course is the super team era, which in the modern day uh, 
really was ignited again, um, sort of unknowingly in the spring summer of 2007, when the Boston Celtics were able to create their big three uh, through two blockbuster trades. Uh, Ray Allen, of course, going over on the draft night deal when the Celtics uh, did not get lucky in the lottery. And then, of course, the trade, uh, which was the 12th anniversary this past week, July 31st, of course, sending Kevin Garnett to the Boston Celtics uh, in the blockbuster with, uh, with Minnesota. So what I want to talk about is, you know, that big three is created. It ultimately leads to LeBron James uh, realizing that he's not going to be able to get it done in Cleveland, and he wants to create his own big three. And that, of course, ties to the player empowerment era that we're in. So, so BJ, as we, as we dig into this, and we go back to the start of this phenomenon in the modern day. Uh, where does that take you? And how did you react to this player empowerment super team era that dates back now 12 years? You know, it's, you know, being around the game and, and being a, you know, I, I, I try to be historic in the sense that to study the, the history of the game and, and to be a student of the game. So when I hear terms like super teams, I, I go, it's kind of interesting. It's an interesting concept, right? Um, you know, because when I look at the old Celtics teams or I look at the the old Lakers teams with Gail Goodrich and, you know, you had Elgin Baylor, you had Jerry West, you had Will Chamberlain. I, 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 I started saying, well, what, 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 what is everyone talking about? <laughs> like, yeah, well, it, it, they know, originated. It, it ties it, it, and it ties back to exactly. Well, now we're a little bit past it, but it ties back to 50 years ago when Chamberlain arrived uh, to the Los Angeles Lakers from Philadelphia. That that is the origin of the super team. Well, I mean, you had Hal Greer, the late Hal Greer. You had the late mm-hmm. Will Chamberlain. I mean. Okay, I don't think there there's anything magical about okay, you need great players to win, right? I mean, the formula has remained the same. Sure. Great players have to have to be great and the role players have to play their roles great. So, when I start hearing these super teams as if this is something new or a new era, I go okay, I I I you know, I I watch Dr. J, Moses Malone, I watch Kareem, James Worthy, Magic, I watch the birds, I watch the pistons. I mean, it's been the same formula. I mean, if we want to give it a new name, let's give it a new name uh, in the 21st century. But, you know, I watch, you know, was Willis Reed, Walt Frazier, Roman Roll. I mean, it's been the same formula. So I, 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 I hear it, I understand, you know, it's, I guess, to new fans, because the game has, you know, the game has, it's popular now. So maybe, you know, the new fans, don't, they don't understand the history, but this isn't anything new. When you see a Kevin Garnett, you know, or Paul Pierce, you know, the, the funny thing about all those guys is, is we call them a super team, but none of them have won at that point in their career. Correct. 
Correct. Yeah. Well, so, I, I've got. I, 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 we're we're brewing something behind the scenes, Pure Hoops Media, for the upcoming season. We're we're, we're going to really do an exploration of a lot of this stuff. We're going to have rules, parameters, tie it back to history, and as you said, you know, the audience of the game continues to expand. But with that expansion, it continues to skew younger. And um, I don't want to sound like, you know, the grumpy old man on the pod. Uh, I'm not that old, but I have a great appreciation for history, as, as you know, and our, and our Pure Hoops Media teammates know. Um, but, you know, people think that, you know, anything that happened before LeBron James entered the NBA is ancient history, which is uh, kind of ridiculous. And there, there's so much out there uh, via YouTube, Internet, etc., to learn the history of the NBA and learn the history of what exactly here we're talking about. So I titled it the, the modern day because it took this huge step forward uh, 12 years ago, all, which is also tied to players picking and choosing where they wanted to go, who they wanted to team up with. So you and I are completely aligned on the fact that this goes back decades and it goes back to the, the great teams of, the, uh, the the late 60s through the 70s. Um, but just in terms of this window, and you, of course, having played so many different roles uh, in the league, both in front offices and as a agent following your playing career, um, uh, how do you reflect on this decade plus now of, uh, you know, player empowerment really coming to fruition and guys being able to pick and choose where they want to do their job, which wasn't always the case. You know, that's another one that, you know, you, you know, again, I, I think for the first time, it's the only difference that I see 30, 40 years ago, if you want to compare the, the, the two eras, if you will, is that the media now hears about it, right? You know, mm-hmm. you know, this is, Oscar Robertson and, and 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 the players back then, they were fighting for the for this in the seventies. This has been going on, you know, since the beginning. Okay, um, this isn't anything new. I think the the empowerment, if you will, is a, a misused term, in my humble opinion. Um, okay. Because you when you when you talk about free agency, right? Free agency would involve the following. If Eric was a free agent, a true free agent in, this, in every sense of the word, he would be a, he would have the option to make the same amount of money in New York, which is the current team he was playing for, or he could go to this is, Oklahoma. This is, this is fictional, of course, me playing yeah, in New York. And and then he could, you know, go to you know Oklahoma and make the same amount of money. The empowerment is, and here are the facts. Let's let's just take the facts. Player X can make have a five year deal in his home team, and then if he wants to go to another place, he has to take less money and less years. So where is the empowerment? What are we empowering here? What's the empowerment? It's a fair question. Okay, so I hear these terms being thrown around. This is where. Am I empowered when I got to take less money if I want to make a move? What's the empowerment? 
I guess it works both ways. Guys have to take less money to go somewhere, or if you're at a certain standing, you're getting all the money you want to go a certain somewhere. So I, I, I guess there's there's two different ways to look at it. But yeah, I mean, but again, again, I'm throwing this at you because yeah, I mean, got a I, really I don't, unique perspective on it. I, I hear these terms. I go, well, if you know, if we're here at, you know, Television X, and we're working here. And the only way we can go to another competitor's channel is we have to take less money. Well, wh where is that empowerment? What am I empowered to do? Take less money? Not, uh, not an empowering situation. So how do we come up with this term, empower, player empowerment? What are we empowering? I just want to know what we're empowering. I believe it began with uh, Mr. LeBron James. Okay, so going to the Miami Heat, being able to bring Chris Bosch with them to play with their buddy Dwayne Wade and, and create their big three on the way to two championships. I, I okay. believe that's where it was really, really born. I, uh, you know, totally follow the uh, path back to Oscar Robertson and the others in the uh, in the 1970s fighting for free agency. Yeah, right. And, you know, also see uh, what you're saying here about, you know, it always not being um, what LeBron and Bosch were doing. So, well, I don't, it, it, whatever the, 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 I just want to focus in on the word empowerment. Like okay. players can move around. Mm -hmm. that's, that's your choice. But the empowerment part is the part that I currently don't understand because if all is equal with the choices that I make, now we we have leverage in this every sense of the word that is the whole point of free agency not to take less but to have the leverage to either get the same or or more if you choose to leave so That's it sounds like idea. so so it sounds like we need uh so this a new, word a new name yeah, this word empower. What's being empowered here? Because the only empowerment is the home team that you currently play under. You know, that's called your Celtic fan. That's called that's called you know your Larry Bird rights. <laughs> there you go. Okay. It's, it's now, funny how much, it's funny how much Larry hates that term. By the way, I, I, you know, it's like the it's like the Derrick Rose rule, which is the Mega Max rule. Okay. The whole empowerment is being able to have the ability to, you know, make money in one place and be able to do the same in another. Now it gets down to a choice. But what's the choice right now? The only thing that I see, Eric, is that players are choosing to take less money to go play in different cities. So let's just look at let's just look at free agency today. Kevin Durant, yeah. he took less. Yeah, this is something we Kyrie been Irving about. took less. Kawhi Leonard took less. Anthony Davis loses his bird rights in 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 in, in uh, New Orleans to come to L.A. So. This imp word empowerment, from my perspective, okay, what 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 are we empowering? 
Jimmy Butler took less. These are all these are all prime examples, and we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. Prime examples of the super max, and of course tied to what you were saying about Derrick Rose, um, the fact that it's not doing what it was supposed to do. So, what was it supposed to do? Keep star players in their markets in their situations. I believe was well, the number one goal. Correct me if I'm wrong. Well, I, it's not that that you're wrong. It's just saying the following. It gives the teams the ability to say the, the best following. chance to retain their talent. Is that, is that correct? No, no, it's not. It's not even a chance. We have to look at it for what it. Let's just you and I in this conversation just stick to the facts. What it says is that we can pay you more money than any other team, and if you decide to go to another team, you will have to take. A significant less money, significantly less money to go if you choose to do that. That's all, that's all it says. Now, saying, those are the facts. Those are the facts. Now, where is the empowerment here? That's a great question. I do not have an answer for you. It's, it sounds like we are going to have to get in a room and we're going to have to whiteboard this and come up with a with a different way to um, put a blanket uh, description on what we've been seeing. So it, it, because yeah, players are going players are going where they want to go, but they're also leaving money on the table to do it. Okay. So yeah. So there, by there that definition, that is that is not the uh, that is not the spirit of uh, how I think people are using the term empowerment. So with yeah. that being said. With that being said, and obviously, uh, you know, you always keep it real with these conversations. And I was expecting, you know, something with with depth and, and fact base. And I love the fact that you didn't take my bait on, you know, delving into delving into a lot of the uh, the, the, the player names, pairings, etc. So very want to do is just a quick fun exercise before we move on from this topic not including this offseason what was the um what was the the team in the last you know 10 12 years that was put together with different star players that really just made you sit up and smile because you were looking forward to seeing those talents play together Well, you know, you know, I, I, being a like I said, a, when you study the game, I, I've always been interested how you put together teams. Like I was all, I was always interested in, you know, what did Red Auerbach see? You know, what did, you know, Jerry West see? What did Jerry Krause? Yep. How did the you know the, the Spurs. What did what? What are all these great teams? You know, the the Detroit Pistons. How were they put together? Yeah, the construction, the the puzzle the of the construction, construction work construction is so is so fascinating to me. Yeah, and you know the kind of the the the, the one thing that kind of connects every era is the fundamentals of the game. The fundamentals of the game. If you just look at it, the consistency 
has never really changed. Even to this day, it hasn't changed. You know, you know, when you look at the old, you know, Bill Russell led teams, the Celtics, you go, what's the connection with that team and the Warriors? You know, well, it's the same team. They're they're both built around defense, right? They yep. are defensively oriented teams. You know, when you look at the, the the Knicks or you look at the Lakers in Showtime, they were defensive teams first. The Bulls, the Pistons, you know, the Larry Bird-led teams, the San Antonio Spurs, you know, with Tim Duncan and David Robinson. So defense has always been a staple of every championship run, always. So the fundamentals of the game has never really changed. So the one thing that I always look at and when people put together teams is defensively, what is that team? Like, are they, do they have the capability to be a great team, a good team? You know, when you talked about that Kevin Garnett team, the thing that to me sealed it was all three of those players individually and Kevin Garnett collectively were they were better than average defensive players, but they were a great defensive team. Kevin Garnett was just superb. He was a superior defensive player. And then when you add Kendrick Perkins to that and you add Rondo to that. Tony Allen, James Tony Posey. You're, you're looking at something to go, okay, we have a chance because when you don't have to compromise your defense, Okay, this isn't like we don't have to double team any player. So they never had to compromise their defense. Yep. Now you have a chance to be a really, really good team. Now, yeah. what and, I, and, and the buy-in, too, is there. I mean, let's be honest. Paul, well, Pearson, I, Ray, Paul Pierce and Ray Allen were uh, never known for their defense before they that Celtic team was created. And, and well, I think there needed to be a certain level of, okay, this is, this is how we're going to build a champion and that identity that you always talk about. Like, how are you going to be a championship team in this league? It has to start with defense. And those guys obviously uh, followed the lead of Kevin Garnett and Doc Rivers and and bought into that. So, you know, I, I think that, you know. The, well, we the love to I, say that. We love to okay. say that, Eric. We love to say people buy in. Okay, we love to say we buy as if the coach, you know, bamboozled them to doing something they normally can't do. No. If you recall in that era, in that time, mm-hmm. okay, when Ray Allen and Paul, per- the two and the three position were perhaps the toughest positions to defend because that's where all the scores lived. Yep, for sure. Okay, so Ray Allen, there was no way that Ray Allen could play that position and not be a good defender and play at that level and neither could Paul Pierce, but there were such superior offensive talents that I can understand why you could say that. Very true. And they were both They're, stuck in, in, in situations that weren't exactly uh, delivering winning you're, basketball. You're not going to shut down the Joe Dumars, the Michael Jordans, the Reggie Millers, LeBron. You're not going to shut those guys down. Now, I don't know about today's game. But in that era, those guys were going to figure out how to score points. 
Drexler, Petrovic, and Reggie Lewis before they passed away. Percy Hawkins. Those guys were going to score points. No, but Michael Jordan, we talk about him as an offensive player, right? He averaged 30, whatever. But if you really look at his game, defensively, he was a superior defensive player. So when I look at Paul Pierce and I look at, again, I'll say that they were good defensive individual players. But when you surround it with superior defensive player, a superior defensive player in a Kevin Garnett, who's not only good as an individual, he's good collectively. Now you have something because now you have the ability to erase a mistake. Kevin Garnett can not only guard his guy, he could guard your guy too. Very similar to this podcast. I get to work with Bruce Bernstein and B.J. Armstrong. It really really covers my flaws. It really does. Rondo didn't get enough credit for being a really good defensive guard. He was a really good defensive player. And 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 he'd pick up three-quarter court a lot more than we we remember, uh, as as would Tony Allen on that team. So people, I don't, and I don't think people realize, like you know, you do obviously, but you know, twenty-four second shot clock, you're gonna bother somebody uh, until they get the ball over. And back then, it was still the ten second rule. You're gonna bother somebody till you know sixteen on the shot clock, get comfortable by fourteen, thirteen, and all of a sudden they're not comfortable in their offense. So uh, I'm with you all the way on 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 what you're uh, on the comparisons. I, I guess the the question that got us here was, you know. What was what was the star? What what was the team that made the moves to put certain star talent together that really excited you? Is what I wanted to get at to, to close this um, segment. I mean, are you talking about this year or years past? Or no, no, the last the, the last decade, not including this offseason. Yeah. Um. Probably probably the biggest move for me, which I thought really made a shift, right? You know, we we talk about players, but really made a shift was when Shaquille O'Neal came from the East, from Orlando to the Lakers. Okay, so we're we're going back to Shaq leaving Orlando? No, back to to 96, sure. Yeah, That that, that that, that, that to me created a shift. And the shift was one that the league couldn't prepare for because there was a young kid that was drafted, Kobe Bryant, that no one could see. So you saw Shaq. Shaq hadn't won yet. Shaq wasn't Shaq. Shaq wasn't a defensive presence yet. Shaq was still trying to figure out who he was going to be, which I thought was interesting. As you know, and even to to this day, the, the... West Coast basketball is a little different than the East Coast. And you and you really don't think of big guys coming out to the West Coast and being able to play in that style, right? You know, I mean, you had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and we were still talking about Showtime. But really, they were a half-court team who could execute and play big boy basketball. Yep. But they had a style that kind of, oh, everyone was running fast breaks and all those things. So I thought that was a shift in saying that, here was a big guy who could play on the West. And then he was coming out here to play with a guy who was already an all-star, you know, Eddie Jones. Mm-hmm. And Jerry West knew 
that if he could bring along this young kid, Kobe Bryant, they could be an unstoppable force for many years, which he was right in his calculations. Yeah, and the, now, and the, Western, and the Western Conference at that time, just, just to frame the time period, you know, Jordan had just come back to win the first championship of the second three-peat. The Rockets had won two titles, but, you know, the East was still where the quote-unquote favorite, of course, the Bulls, to win the title. So the, the West was going through a transition at that time. As Elijah and the Rockets got older, you saw these teams. Uh, Seattle didn't blossom into what people thought they were going to be. The Jazz, of course, go to two finals. And then you have teams like Portland and the Kings and the Lakers and the Spurs all building towards this highly competitive West to, to end the 90s. So Shaq was not only something that excited so many of us, but he was a major part of that shift to the Western Conference. Yeah, and, and I thought that was interesting because Jerry West stuck to the fundamentals of how to build a team. And you look for greatness and most for, for the most part, it always comes in the draft, for the most part. So anything that starts off air with the fundamentals, it probably is going to end in a speculative participation by all the other people. And what I mean by that, Eric, is the rest of the league started drafting high school kids after the Kobe Bryant situation. KG, then Kobe. Everyone started imitating what had been done, but the fundamentals of why he did it, because he saw a phenomenal opportunity to be a great defensive team. Mm -hmm. And these players, if they could continue to grow, and he put them together where they could mature together and possibly arrive in their primes right around the same time. And to me, that was the brilliance of it because he stuck to the fundamentals like, okay, I got a young kid who's trying to figure out who he is. But at some point, he's going to figure out Shaq, talking about Shaq. He's going to figure yep. out defensively. He's got to dominate the game. He can score 30 a night. But unless he, unless he dominates the game on the defensive end, it won't happen. But he had, all of, he had all of the physical tools to do that. And once he figured that out, it was over. And then you had another kid who was just as capable – of being a great defensive player as he was an offensive talent. And to me, that was the genius of the deal, was he stuck to the fundamentals of the game. You want to defend, you want to be able to rebound, and you want to be able to share the ball. And all of those guys, when I talk about those guys in particular here, Kobe and Shaq, they did that. And they did it at a level that no one else could catch. Because they, they were evolving and they matured and they got to the same place right around the same time. And then, as they say, the rest is history. There was no, there was no way you're going to catch those two. The, time, were, the timing. The, the, the timing was unbelievable. And I think people forget uh, the leap forward that Shaq took as a Laker, how that timed up with Kobe's development. And Kobe uh, – is such an underrated two-way player in the history of basketball because of how great he was offensively. And defensively, Kobe Bryant you know, took on that challenge and could lock people up and obviously had extreme athleticism uh, at that younger age, which, of course, led to the three-peat 
Los Angeles, excuse me, three-peat Los Angeles Lakers from 2000 to 2002. So bringing it back to present day, we've got a few things going on this week that uh, we need to delve into. One of them has me very conflicted, not just about the uh, on-court topic, but how things are perceived in our game, in our media and news cycle. And that is the talk and chatter uh, about Carmelo Anthony. And Carmelo Anthony, who is, uh, you know, seems to be in the gym every day, working out, playing open runs in New York, a lot of NBA guys in town. Looks like he's in terrific shape, only played 10 games last year, so he should be fresh. You'd like to see him land somewhere. But people are now calling for Carmelo Anthony getting a farewell tour. Is this either ridiculous or is this just a product of the basketball and media culture we now find ourselves in? Um, you know, I, I think these have become very popular. Um, you know, these you know, things in the media and you're doing things for – you know, last year, I think it was Dwayne Wade and, you know, you're, you're starting to see these, you know, kind of, I don't know, is that what you want to call them, farewell tours or what have you? Um, he went back to I, Miami. They did the tour. It caught on. The jersey exchanges. It was great for social media. He's been a great ambassador to the game. He's also a three-time NBA champion. For me, Carmelo Anthony's career does not um, – you, you know, I, I'll it's, say, it's not it's not deserving of something like this, nor should something like this be premeditated. This should be a reactive thing. That's my opinion. You know, I, I again, I think this is this is a a product of the era we're in. So you know what, this is where we're at as a, as a culture. So I, I'm not really going to have an opinion about it because this is where we're at, right? It doesn't make it right or wrong. Um. But, you know, this is where we're at. You know, social media is part of it. <laughs> and, we, and we have to deal with it. So, so yeah, so it's, it's part of it. So, okay, that, if that's what it is. But, again, you know, I, I, I don't want to, you know, discredit anything Carmelo's done. He's had a wonderful NBA career, you know, and, and he – is going to be a future Hall of Famer. So I want to focus in on what he has done, what he's meant to the game, his contributions to the game, and that should be respected. Yeah, mm -hmm. he didn't win a championship, but you know what? Everyone can't win, and you don't have to be a champion to to be like the, the crowning moment, right? You know, he's he's had, a, 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 he's had an amazing, amazing career. So you know what? But I get it. And that's where we're at. Then that's where we're at. You know, I don't, I don't know if that's good or bad for the game or what have you, but we're talking about it. So I guess that's probably good. You know, the popularity of the game now is at that level. And individually, when you look at his numbers, you know, you can't argue his numbers. And uh, number numbers are numbers are numbers are phenomenal during the core stretch of his career. Yeah, phenomenal. You know, so, you know, so you, you know, that's where it is. You, you having experienced winning, playing with, you know, some all-time great players, me being a, a historian who puts winning above all, 
I have a, the the utmost respect for the talent and the skill set. I guess I just I wanted to see more, and what I mean by that is I wanted to see more of a, a consistent all around game, and I just never felt he made um, raising the level of his teammates around him a priority. Uh, I'm talking more about the time in New York, which a lot of the things that happened in New York were completely out of his control. Um, but I always wanted to see more. And um, that's just through my prism and lens. So with that being said, he can still play. And in today's style of game where it's so perimeter oriented, the guy can still score the basketball. He can face up. He can make the three. He can post up smaller players. Is there a team that you think Carmelo Anthony could play a valuable role for as we go into the nineteen twenty season. Well, you know, Eric, we started off this conversation with with the following. So I'm I'm going to stick to this, and when I see, I threw I threw a reverse pivot at you. My, yeah, my you apologies. Did. You, you did okay. Carmelo Anthony individually is a is an incredible talent. We all agree on that. Now, but when you talk about you know, I hear this, well, this guy makes this guy better, okay? This guy makes his teammates better, okay? And this guy, okay. Eric, there's only a couple things that you do as a team, right? There's really only three things you do. That This is why I always stick to the fundamentals of the game. Because the fundamentals keeps, it's kind of like, it keeps me in check, right? Mm -hmm. It's easy for me to argue with you or other people about who's the better player, but the fundamentals can't be argued. It's kind of like it's kind of like the home base. So when you look at how you make other people better, this is how you do it. If you are a great player, right? We throw the term great and superstars. Now they're just general terms. Everyone's yep. a super team. Wait, 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 way too, way too liberal with it. Okay. Couldn't agree more. So uh, how do you make someone better? Okay. Number one. Number one. Defensively. You do that as a team. You don't shoot as a team. You 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 don't shoot free throws as a as a. They may add it up as a team, but if sure. if if our ninety percent free throw shooter goes to the free throw line, you know, eighty five percent of the time, of course we're going to be a better team than the team who doesn't shoot as high a percentage. Okay. So we defend as a team. So if you find a guy who can either block shots or get steals or has the ability to become a stopper, a Dennis Rodman, a Tim Duncan, a Michael Jordan, a Ben Wallace, now you have a chance to be a really good team because that is one of the things that you can do that will help your team. You can defend. So every team wants a rim protector. Why? Because it erases the mistakes on the defensive end. BJ gets beat back door, Matumbo blocks the shot, it's a great play. Good defense, okay. After you defend, you must secure that ball, Eric, and rebound. So any guy who can rebound the ball at any position, whether he's a Russell Westbrook at the one, or a five man who gets 15 plus rebounds a night, that's a significant thing because that means you're limiting the other team to one shot. Possessions, possessions, possessions. Possession. There you go. Third, 
the one thing that you can do as a team, which is critical to being a team, is you have to recognize you're on a team. So that means you got to pass the ball to each other. You have to be willing to share the ball with each other. So that is why you put we have traditionally put so much emphasis on point guards. Bob Cousy, Magic Johnson, Isaiah Thomas. The list goes on and on of all of these great guards, Jason Kidd, who had the ability to share the ball. Larry Bird and Rick Barry and all of these guys were incredible because they were forwards who had the ability to share the ball because they got the most touches. So this is those are the three things you do. And if you want to help your team and to be called a true superstar, a true superstar, you got to do a minimum of two of those things. Yep. Then you you answered my question for me. Defense, rebounding, sharing the ball. The ball. Now, this all goes back to Carmelo. Carmelo is a, an incredible offensive talent. He's an incredible offensive talent. Incredible. The man can the man is a walking bucket. He mm-hmm. can score in isolation against anybody right now. He'll be he'll be one of those guys that's 50 years old. He'll be able to score in an ISO situation. He just can score. That's what he does. Now, when you're talking about doing the other things, okay. I have to stick to the fundamentals. Defensively, rebounding and passing the ball. You know, uh, uh, Larry Brown called it playing the game the right way, right? So when you talk about doing those three things, that is, those are the three and critical ingredients that you need to be called a good team. You have to do those things. There's no way around it. I don't care how great you are individually. You have to participate in those. Foundation of the house, my friend. Foundation of the house. This, now, this is why This is why we're going to build a winner one day. I'm telling you. The Armstrong-Newman connection. Yeah, and this is, this is, this is always slow because we're, we're, we now live in an age where everyone wants the, the hype and the, I get it, the sexy stuff, but the really, the, the meat and potatoes of a basketball team, those are it. It doesn't matter whether it's the NCAA, the NBA, high school, AAU, what have you. Yep. When you look at a team, if the team can't defend, it's not going to win. It's not going to win. And, 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 and until you commit to those, then you're just kind of, you know, it, it looks good, it sounds good, it yeah. makes you're, hope, you're, 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 hope, you're hoping your individual talent could get it done, and we know that's not going to happen night in and night out. So, speaking of that, just to keep things moving, and I'm, I'm glad you tied it back to those things. So you you answered my question for me on that topic. If people have watched Carmelo Anthony play, tremendous offensive weapon throughout his career. For me, he doesn't check two of those three boxes consistently throughout his career. A young, exciting, scoring talent who we've seen come on the horizon. He's part of one of the very exciting star pairings in the Western Conference. I'm talking about C.J. McCollum of the Blazers. Gets three-year, $100 million extension. Um, I think it's safe to say we're both fans of his talent. Uh, he's a great ambassador to the game. Uh, what was your reaction to seeing that news? And, and what are your feelings on C.J. McCollum's uh, evolution, which a lot of people did not see coming because of where he played college basketball in Lehigh? Well, I, 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 first, I'm, I'm a huge C.J. fan. 
and mm-hmm. and the reason I'm a fan is because he's a pro. He walked into this league as a pro, meaning yep. he shows up to the game and he competes. So I, I I respect his game. I respect what he does, and the fact that he he shows up every single night, bravo. I I I love him because every night, and he plays the game like they used to play the game when I played at that position. Every night he was gonna find out if he was hot or not, <laughs> and I always yeah. respect that. I respected that. If, when 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 I played, you know, I I because you know as a, as a as a point guard as a lead guard, some nights you couldn't find out if he was hot or not, but the twos and the threes at that time every night they were going to find out if they were hot or not, you know, and it was used to be like a, a unwritten rule, and I, I remember listening to George Gervin and I and I learned this from Gervin. It was said if the coach is going to bring you out, make him bring you out for something. Yeah, he's got some real 90s to him, CJ does. Yeah, CJ, I, every night, CJ is capable. He Every night when you play against him, you know that this guy is trying to get, trying to hit you for 40, right? Yeah. And, and he may not do it every night, but you know he's trying. And I respect that about him. And I, and I respect that, you know, he's an undersized two-guard, but you know what? He gives it to you. He get, Every night he's going to keep you honest on the defensive end, and he's going to keep you honest on the offensive end. And as the, you know, and and in the tradition of, you know, the way that position was played, you know, years ago, you know, they would always say your best defense is your offense. You yeah. got to be ready to play some defense when you play against him because he has a short memory. You may come down and score two or three baskets in a row, but that's not going to change the way he approaches the game. And I respect that about him. I respect his game. So, you know what? The Portland Trailblazers has a they have a pro. They have a guy that's going to show up and he's going to give you an honest day's work. And more importantly, he's a very capable player in this league. So I thought it was a good move for them all the way around. And uh, besides being a fan of his, I respect him as a professional because he's a professional uh, in this business. And he's another guy that you're that you're seeing that didn't come from you know, the big university, right? He didn't come with the the, the 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 big rep coming into this league, but he found a way. And uh, not only did he find a way, he's found a way to play the game and, and, and bring his talent to the court every single night. And I think that is the, the essence of being a professional. Every night you come and do what you do, right? I can't do what other guys do, but I do what I do. And every single night, that's what he does. He gives you honest effort on the defensive end. And offensively, he's going to find out if he's hot or not. And if he is, you know, he's he's more than a capable scorer, Eric, uh, yeah. getting 40, 50 points in this league. Yeah, no, for sure. And the other thing I love about him and Lillard is that they've had this chip on their shoulder uh, after some early exits from the playoffs uh, and people doubting their, cap- their, their ability to coexist together and to uh, – to, to be a, a guard tandem and, and, and be a consistent winner, uh, that chip on their shoulder has now driven them a long way. Final topic, speaking of chips on shoulders, Marcus Smart was on the jump earlier in the week. And, um, you know, he's, you know, personally been one of my favorite players, uh, not just because he's a, a Celtic, but because of how he goes about his business. And uh, this year being recognized uh, all defense first team, but, uh, he said some things that, that this week that made some headlines. 
um, I, I want to delve into one thing in particular, and it's been kind of the company line of the Celtics where they've taken the high road on the Kyrie experiment going wrong, uh, him leaving, uh, Marcus saying this was a, uh, a, a collective uh, fault of the team. Um, should the weight should not be put on Kyrie? Uh, what do you think of Marcus Smart, and what do you think of the uh, the road he took on those comments? Well, you know, it, it just goes back to you know being a player in, in that locker room. I never want to forget that part of what it what it meant, the responsibility you had to be a teammate, and winning, my friend, covers a multitude of sins. And every team has the same exact problems, believe it or not. Every single team. The champion this year had the same problems as the worst team in the league. Except if you win, the problem kind of lays dormant. If you lose, now suddenly it's a problem. So the hard part about winning in this league is when you don't win, you find out the true character of everyone in the room. Great point. That's it. That's, that's what you. That's what you find out. Yep. And sometimes you don't like what you find out about people. You because if you win, you hide it. It's masked. Because you say, well, eh, he's not really that bad. <laughs> we we we're winning, so I can tolerate it. But when you lose, it's not as easy. So, you know what? I think what he was really saying was they didn't meet their, their expectations. Of course. You know, they didn't meet their expectations. I don't think they 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 felt that they were a better team because what they were able to do a year ago. The hard part about playing in this league, which I learned once I was able to, you know, be a part of a team that won a championship, is every year is different. So what you did last year doesn't roll over into the next year. And I thought in looking at their team, they said, well, we went to the conference finals without Kyrie Irving and without. So once we get those guys back, we should just automatically win the championship. Yeah, and I thought not they were not that easy. And I thought that to me was it's only human to think that way. It's only natural, you know, people say, well, God, they did that without Kyrie Irving. They get Kyrie Irving back. That should push them over the top. But that was last year. And you always have to remember every team, just like every game, is a different game. That's what makes a seven-game series to be so interesting because every game takes on its own personality. And... A game in a series, game two could be the changing moment for a series or game three or a quarter or something. You know, every team and every game is is different, believe it or not. And Kyrie's personality coming into that team, for whatever reason, didn't fit. You know, when I I always just go back to how I look at it, you know, Kyrie, again, he's a, an incredible offensive player. He's an incredible offensive player. But offense isn't what that team needed. No, it's not what that team needed. And his personality 
would that team put everyone else in different positions? And for whatever reason, you know, I wasn't there every day and I didn't watch the Celtics. You know, I watched them as close as I probably watched every other team, but not that close. Um, something was off with that group. And I think Marcus, you know, he spoke on it. I respect that because I know how hard it is to be on a championship caliber team. You know, you, you got to get some breaks. You got to, things got to fall your way. You know, you, it's more than just being a good team and the coaches can coach and say all the right things, but ultimately it always falls back on the players. The players yeah. are the only group that can actually have an impact on winning and losing. No, and, you spoke, and you spoke you spoke about their depth of talent and yeah, I, I like great 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 versatility, but the sum of its parts did not equal it, it just, the winning and success that we thought. And yeah, and, and, and yeah, I think and next I just, season yeah. I think next season will be different for them. I really do. Oh yeah, it, 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 potentially it will be because they have different players, so the personalities and how it fits. But ultimately, ultimately, this is a team. That's a very inexperienced team. Okay. Who is going to lead them to that, to that, who has the experience to do that? We will, we will, we will find out what Kemba Walker's uh, experience will do for them. Obviously he has not been deep into the playoffs. Marcus Smart has gathered a lot of experience and it's time for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to take the next step. And, of course, hope that Gordon Hayward can return close to that all-star form uh, that we saw before that terrible injury. But uh, great stuff today. I'm glad we were able to hit on the Marcus and CJ stuff and you delving into both uh, what the meaning of player empowerment is and should be uh, along with the Carmelo Anthony topic. Uh, insightful as always, my friend. Great job. Thank you to Bruce Bernstein, Benjamin Wolf, and the entire Pure Hoops Media team. Be sure to check out the Mike Wise Show, dropping each Monday. Catch and shoot on Wednesdays. Buckets, boards, and blocks Thursdays. And, of course, the Pure Hoops podcast with myself and my partner, BJ Armstrong, coming at you every week on Fridays. BJ, I hope you have a great weekend, buddy. And uh, we'll catch you again next week. Thank you. The Pure Hoops podcast is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.